Hurry up, your favorite show's about to start. Grab a Capri Sun, some Dunkaroos, and settle in for another episode of The Millennial Movie Club. Welcome to the Millennial Movie Club podcast. Where we bring you your weekly dose of cinematic nostalgia. I'm Jazz, and my first concert was the Spice Girls. My name is Dan Levine, and my mom didn't let me get Jenko pants when I was a kid. That's so sad. Probably for the best, though. (laughs) In case you couldn't tell from our rousing introduction, our very first episode, we will be talking about a total classic, and that is the movie Mrs. Doubtfire starring the late, great Robin Williams. So let's set the scene. As Disney Plus describes it, an eccentric dad dresses as a British nanny so he can care for his kids at the home of their mother. The film was directed by Chris Columbus, who went on to do Home Alone 1 and 2, Harry Potter 1 and 2, Adventures in Babysitting, so just like a legend. We were in good hands. The music is by Howard Shore, who just did a bunch of other stuff. He did big. Philadelphia right afterwards, uh, High Fidelity, Lord of the Rings. So yeah, just overall in good hands. He did the music for Lord of the Rings and (laughs) Mrs. Doubtfire. That's an impressive body of work. He's a deep individual. He's got a lot of feelings. Layers. 72% on Rotten Tomatoes, which I would say, considering how I believe this movie has aged, pretty good. Oh, oh, I'm looking looking for like 95s. Okay, and now I'm interested to hear how you think this movie has aged because <laughs> I have some feelings. Wow. Speaking of Rotten Tomatoes, I pulled a few reviews just to give a little bit of a, of a background of what you might be able to expect. Uh, Mike Massey of Gone with the Twins writes, a somewhat grotesque take on Mary Poppins. This picture has an attitude and style all its own. That's a strange backhanded compliment, I feel like. What's your problem, dude? <laughs> I don't know if you're going to like any of these. <laughs> um, next up, David Anson from Newsweek writes, I've rarely laughed so much at a movie I generally disliked. What is going on here? <laughs> now, keep in mind, like these reviews were written more recently than the movie, which came out in 1993. Great year. Great year. How old are you in 1993? I was four. Great age. It was a great age, great year. Next, Luke Thompson of nothing. No, he does not write for anybody. Writes, it is what it is. And frankly, I don't like it. <laughs> Luke Thompson's not going to get anywhere with that kind of <laughs> That kind of attitude. Take. Yeah. I saved the best and most prestigious for last, which is Mr. Roger Ebert himself, mm. who wrote, The film is not as amusing as the premise, and there were long stretches when I'd had quite enough of Mrs. Doubtfire. I'm blown away right now. Right. Well, I did not expect that. Despite these nearly scathing reviews, I would have to say that this movie was probably one of the most iconic of our childhood. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's got to be one of my favorite movies ever. Well, let's not not spoil anything, but it's (laughs) just delightful. We should probably say now, this episode is chock full of spoilers. Spoilers. So if you've never watched Mrs. Doubtfire, uh, get a life, frankly, and also go watch it before you listen to this episode. I'm kind of envious, though, of people who've never watched Mrs. Doubtfire. I mean, that's super awesome. You've got something really cool in your immediate future. Part of me feels like after watching it now with a different perspective, older, wiser, part of me is sad for the people who would be watching it now for the first time because I feel like the nostalgia does elevate it. Totally, totally. Yeah, and I could talk to you a little bit about where these actors are. So yeah, Mara Wilson, Natalie or Natty. She was in Miracle on 34th Street, Mm -hmm. uh, Matilda. And then she was in Broad City recently as a waitress. Interesting. How did I not I think it might have been one of those see that? Yeah, well, she doesn't look anything really like herself. And also, she doesn't talk the same way. It's like, we're hit the goddamn kid too. Like <laughs> that was actually really good. I was wasn't bad. No, it was really good. Actually, that was a really oh, good. Can you do that again? We're hit the goddamn kid too. <laughs> so Mara Wilson, fun fact, was neck and neck for the role with Blake Lively. What? Who is at the time was six years old, who blew her audition because she was so nervous to read with Robin Williams that her mom actually told her that she would be reading with Robin Williams' twin brother just to get her into the room. <laughs> And then they Brilliant. introduced him as Robin and shattered the illusion and she fucking blew it. I understand, to be honest. Oh, I would be beside myself. I probably would have nailed the audition, but I would have left the room and be covered in piss. Yeah, I agree. I would just have full-blown 
panic attack. But this is the role of that kind of catapulted Mara Wilson into what we would later see and idolize her for the title role in Matilda. I was actually really intrigued by her speech pattern in this film because she was kind of like she had the cute list, but she was also kind of like whispering the whole movie. Did you notice that? Yeah. It's ench- it's like enchanting. It's so cute. Oh, it's so freaking cute. I'm so glad that she got it and uh, beat out Blake Lively. Yeah, Blake Lively. I feel like her, she would have been, even as a six-year-old, probably like a little too sexy. I agree. It would have been distracting. And she's got enough W's under her belt. Like, throw into Mara Wilson. Truly. And then we have a Lawrence brother for crying out loud. We got a goddamn Lawrence brother. We got Matthew Lawrence who, of course, we know as Jack Hunter in Boy Meets World, Sean's brother. Uh, he's in Brotherly Love, which I don't actually oh, know. Oh, yes. You're, wow. Whoa. Yeah. That, I don't know why right? I didn't even make that connection. Yeah, he lives with Eric. Mm-hmm. Wild. Oh, yeah. He grew into a total hottie, like, tiger beat, centerfold worthy. Yeah, he really grew into his own. I mean, he's a, he's a stud. <laughs> Do I detect slight bitterness? Yeah. I mean, good for him. Uh, he's the best. He also was the like hot dude and the hot chick. Another gender identity crisis kind of movie. Oh, yeah. Actually, he has a knack for that. Yeah, like a moth to flame. <laughs> and then just to go through, just Lisa Jacob is Lydia. She did Independence Day. And then she just became like a yoga teacher. That's cool. Chose happiness. Yeah, good for you, yeah. man. Get out of there while you still can. Yeah, exactly. And she's got all of her shit together. So good for you. Then Harvey Firestein, who is Daniel's brother, is also in Independence Day. So they shared the set of both movies. Interesting. I've got one more weird one. Scott Beach, who was the judge who handed down his sentence, was a stormtrooper in Star Wars. Whoa. I mean, I could kind of see where you can get from one to the other. It makes sense. Some kind of evil authority figure. (laughs) Yes, right. (laughs) Crushed both of them. And then the last one is Sally Field, who plays Miranda, his wife. Uh, The top Google search is, did Sally Field pass away? Um, And to answer it, no. no, she's chill. She's all good. Thank uh, Steel Magnolias, Homeward Bound, and then Forrest Gump the year after. What a wow. awesome stretch of time for Sally Field. What an absolute legend. Absolute legend. And kudos to her. Another fun fact. She was actually going through a divorce, an actual divorce, Damn. while she was filming this movie. So talk about close to home. I mean. Close to Homeward Bound. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Correct. Also, like, not that we even need to mention it because, but Pierce Brosnan, I mean, fucking. Oh, Jesus. right. I didn't even think about it. Right. We don't we need don't to even, even think no. about it. I mean, we need to. We, we don't have to try to think about it because, good God, man. No human should look like that. Like, his skin is so perfect and his teeth are awesome and his accent is so charming. And you want to hate him in this? Okay, we'll get to him. Why don't we dive into the plot? He picks up the kids from school. Chris, his son, is kind of like failing school and he's like, oh, it's your birthday. I'm going to throw you a party. Chris is like, mom told me we can't have a party. And he's like, I don't really care. He throws him this ridiculous party. I will note that when he initially proposes some kind of birthday celebration, his 12-year-old son asks for a stripper in which he then counters with a petting zoo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that's like one of the only times he's a good dad in this, in this whole thing. Right. Like same basic concept. We pay and you stroke <laughs> some animals. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> you pet some fur for a dollar. <laughs> There's fur everywhere, no matter what. There's a lot of nudity and feeding by hand yeah. if you're lucky. But yeah, he he fills the block with animals and fills the house with children. No other parents anywhere to be found, mind you. There's like 30 children in their home. No. And poor Sally Field, man, who, by the way, is in like the height of her babeliness. I was wondering when we were going to bring it up because... <laughs> It's crazy. And I would say like now in 2022, we wouldn't look at Sally Field and be like conventionally hot girl. No, no. But like the woman is a treasure. Yeah, she's amazing. I don't know what it is about her. I think it's because she's Forrest Gump's mom. It's her momliness. I can't tell. Were you attracted to your friend's moms when you were a kid or do you have like a thing for our moms? No, I, I didn't actually. And I would be honest. Okay, great. I think just Sally Fields. It's just Sally Field as a mom that really Sally Field, yeah. revs your engine. It was, it's great. And I also, I mean, not for nothing, I had a crush on his daughter, the girl who's in Independence Day. His oldest daughter? His oldest daughter, which is not creepy because at the time I was no, younger than her. So I was. Absolutely. Yeah. It was like a babysitter um, crush. Yes. And then Matthew Lawrence is in it too. So he's like a babe in his own right. The neighbor narks on them. Of course. And calls the cops. Fucking bitch. 
responsible for this whole divorce. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Poor Sally Field has to be this disciplinarian because she has no parental support from him. She even brings home a sweet soccer cake. Not only that, the pony eats the cake. Eats the cake. And the goat eats her begonias. She just is having a, such a shitty time. Like, he gets to be this awesome guy and then she get, has to come in and like pull the plug on their boombox when it's playing jump around which is like a super faux pas also she had to crawl under a horse to do that which in my mind is quite dangerous kind of a risky move if we had lost sally field to getting kicked by a horse thank you sally for uh surviving this. it's funny because growing up i would watch this movie and was like man this mom is so mean she just doesn't want to have any fun how could she possibly split up their family and divorce like the sweetest goofiest guy when like in reality he's like pretty much a slacker he can't hold down a job forgive me i love robin williams so much however like he personifies completely this role of what i like to call uncle daddy it has nothing to do with sex well it doesn't it doesn't yeah. <laughs> uh, depends how you want to define it yeah but in my mind it's the kind of dad who is just wants to be there for the fun stuff does not want to get his hands dirty. He just wants to keep things light and he doesn't want to do any of the hard parenting. She deserves some support. She deserves, you know, an equal partner in this. And she deserves Pierce Brosnan. She fucking deserves Pierce Brosnan. Something else I never caught was like they clearly dated in the past and she's like the one who got away for him. That's so funny because this was the first time I picked up on that too. I had no idea. Right. He was like, well, I always just wanted you to be happy. And it's like, how did you let him go? I have no idea. And end up marrying Robin Williams. <laughs> like, yeah. Poor Robin Williams. No offense. But like, not only that, when they fight, he's pretty mean. Yeah, he is. He's like kind of a dick. So like, I get it. I And they're like, we've been having problems for 14 years. Sally Field is the same. Robin Williams is a dick while they're arguing and he's wrong. Pick one. Correct. He never apologizes really for his behavior. No. Like he has moments where he realizes that he's fucked up, but like he really never takes accountability. No, he just tries to, as soon as she's like, I want a divorce, He's like, come on, we gotta, let's go somewhere. And it's like, no, why don't you get your shit together? You're right. He's not like, look, you know what? I'm gonna start, like, I'm gonna go out and get a good job or just stop quitting jobs. I'm gonna discipline the kids. Yeah. You're right. He's just like, let's go on a vacation. Yeah, it's like, that's what she's looking for. She literally says, she's like, our problems will be here when we come back because you're not willing to change. Yes. And this was just went completely over my head Oof. growing up. I was just like, but he loves you and he does voices. I guess that's the point, right? Like, we are the kids. We're like, why does right. mom have to come in and fuck everything up? And dad is awesome. These are pretty much the identical realizations I had about my own parents as I got older. <laughs> <laughs> I've got something like that going right. on too. Yeah. I was going, I was like, dad's so fun. Mom, you're so mean. And now I'm like, oh, I see, I see. That's why it's helpful. Go back and watch Mrs. Doubtfire because you might like start realizing shit. It'll make you feel so much more justified for your parents' divorce. <laughs> yes, agreed. <laughs> and that's that is true. At the end of the movie, we don't want to spoil it, but that is kind of you know that is that's the moment. message. That's the message is that divorce is okay. It's clear they are getting divorced. He has to get a place to live and a steady job in order for him to share custody. He moves into a total dump. Sharing the kids isn't going well. But he's also doing that shitty divorce parent thing where he's like straight up bad mouthing Sally Fields in front of the kids and talks about her catching like a deadly disease. Um, where we have a great line from Mara Wilson where she just looks at him with horror and goes, diarrhea forever? <laughs> yeah, so good. <laughs> Not that you should do that at any age, but you have small children and you're basically talking about killing off their mother. Yeah, dude, don't like Kanye around here. Like, Literally. Come on, man. Literally. To be fair, she does the same thing. Yes, it's true. She does. They both do it. It honestly seems like only the oldest daughter holds them sort of both accountable. She's a boss, pretty much. She's like, come on, dad, you got to work harder. Yeah, she's so, it's always the oldest daughter. Ding, ding, ding. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't comment. <laughs> I'm sure you added something to the equation. Your parents are married though, right? Yeah. Okay, so fuck off, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll just sit this one out. You don't get to comment on this movie. You would never understand. I don't understand it at all. I just think the jokes are really Your funny. Your dad would never dress as a woman <laughs> to spend time with you. And frankly, I don't know that mine would either. There's no way so. to do it. No. <laughs> It'll be weird when my parents hear this. <laughs> 
Anyway, so Miranda picks up the kids, lets him know that she's looking for a housekeeper. Can I jump in here really quick? Miranda picks up the kids. She honks the horn an hour early and she dropped them off an hour late. Mm -hmm. He gets one day a week with his kids. It's fucked. Come on, man. She's a working woman. She doesn't have time. That's true. But it's still, it's not nice. She's going to place an ad in the paper. Robin Williams fucks up the ad so that no one will call her. And then (laughs) uh, one of the best scenes in the movie where he's just calling, pretending to be all these different terrible applicants. The woman who's like, I am (laughs) so great. And then he turns it on as Miss Doubtfire. Just immediately the warmth you feel when he starts talk Iphigenia Iphigenia Doubtfire is it you Iphigenia Doubtfire it's something like that meanwhile fun fact Mrs. Doubtfire the movie is actually adapted from a novel a British novel written in the 70s called Madame Doubtfire and the author of that book actually like the name she like met an old woman in like a jewelry consignment shop or something and took literally stole her name to make this character whoa yeah so twas a book one of the reviewers were like I don't know how she doesn't recognize her ex-husband he's just wearing makeup and a turban so I guess they don't go as full out in the makeup department but speaking of the makeup department what a perfect world in which robin williams and harvey wines Firestone, not, not harvey yeah. wine <laughs> not harvey wine i'm sure he had his hand in this in some ways creepy hand ew Ew, that's the real world in which Robin Williams and Harvey Weinstein are brothers. But in the per- in a perfect yes. world, Robin Williams and Harvey Firestein are brothers. So, of course, th- there's one thing that this movie does really well, which is taking advantage of the classic movie montage transformations. Oh, my God, the makeup transformations where so he's trying out good. all of the different personas, all the different looks. We have Barbara Streisand, a booby that's just a little bit too fiddler on the roof. I was trying to think like who would it be if that movie was made in 2022? Yep. Like we'd probably get a Kim Kardashian. Whoa, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's that's it. Let's just go with that. It I would think just go through every Kardashian. Yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't take that much different makeup. Like it's just gotta be so cool having Robin Williams just in your back pocket for a movie. I mean, no matter what, he's going to figure out how to be like a million different characters at any time. Like the genie in Aladdin. He does like oh, yeah. 50 different impressions. I don't even think you need to work it into the script. It's just going to happen. Right, exactly. Fun fact. Well, we all could probably assume that he improvises so much. I mean, he's just mm-hmm. constantly improvising. And so Chris Columbus actually had like several different cuts of this movie with different ratings based on the improvisations that he – so there was like a R-rated version, NC-17. There's like a G version. They ended up settling on the PG-13 based on some of the spicier language he chose to include. <sighs> I mean – Somewhere in the annals of history that that exists, and I hope that they can release it, know, to, show us. it to us one day. Release yeah. it to us. Come on, we guys. deserve it. We've waited so long, yeah. and life is so hard. Yeah, life's tough. Give us the NC seventeen, Mrs. Doubtfire. Stop fucking around. And they erect an entire museum exhibit to the life and career of Robin Williams. That's going to be in it. P.S. How are you feeling so far? Great. I feel good. <laughs> okay, yeah, good. I feel like we're at a good clip. Are you personally finding me entertaining? I am myself. Okay. Yes. Okay. Great. <laughs> I need you to be honest with me. I will. I'll be honest. Also, we're keeping this in the podcast. (laughs) Keep all your insecurities in the podcast. Okay, great. Anyway, another fun fact, speaking of Robin Williams just being dedicated to his character work, this whole movie was shot in San Francisco, and Robin Williams had to sit in hair and makeup for four and a half hours every day. Whoa. Yeah. But in order to test the makeup, he actually went to a sex toy shop and actually like got an associate to, as Mrs. Doubtfire, was like trying to buy sex toys from these people just to like see if they would catch on. And eventually they figured out it was him. But like, can you fucking imagine the dude that's working the counter at fucking like sexy papa's kitty lounge or what? That's, that's more of a strip club name I guess San friends I'm really trying to think of a good sex to my name tell me out Dan um, batteries included oh that's actually a pretty good one I'm trying to think of like a San Francisco themed sex toy shop Californication of Californ yeah, lubrication yeah. nice <laughs> 
I would imagine too, they like probably have like a signed headshot up on the wall like they do at delis in New York being like, Mrs. Doubtfire bought cherry flavored lube from us. Yes, it's like uh, Robin Williams as Mrs. Doubtfire with like two different size butt plugs. Right. This guy is like, well, then again, it's like 1992. It's going to be like, he pulls out his phone. Is te- like today, they would just be like, somebody would be texting somebody just being like, holy shit, man. Like this granny's into some fucked up shit. Yeah, you can't do that. You could put out an ad in the newspaper, I and guess. Then I- <laughs> In 1992, you just had to sit there and feel your fucking feelings. Yeah, and when (laughs) something funny happened, you couldn't even tell anyone until like the next time you saw somebody. We're the last generation of children to grow up without cell phones and social media. Yeah, and I feel it all the time. Yeah. (laughs) That deep-seated discomfort. Yeah, we feel that. Yeah, we're transitioning. Yeah, so I mean, so yeah, there's a lot of just delicious moments of people living in the present. They finally land on probably the most perfect disguise for him to fuck with everyone. And the voice is incredible too, Mm -hmm. by the way. Mm -hmm. I feel like... People don't really talk about Truly, it. Truly, he sounds not just the accent work, obviously, but he is so convincingly a woman. It's amazing. Yeah. I really feel like half the movie, I really do forget I'm looking at Robin Williams. Such a depth to this character. But I, what also I found interesting was the last 14 years, he's like super fun, but I think we can say like a kind of a shitty parent or at least an irresponsible one. And as soon as he steps into the picture as Mrs. Doubtfire, all of a sudden he's a disciplinarian and like he knows how to to parent and like makes them wash the walls. Yeah, oh. I was. So it's funny because this time around, one of the times I, I watched it, I thought that he was making them do chores so that they would miss him. Oh, right. Interesting. But Interesting. But in that, in this watching, I don't think that that's true. I can't decide if he's trying to do a really good job so that he doesn't get fired or if he's trying to be so strict that the kids are like, mom, we really want dad to watch us after school. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe he just gets a taste for being a disciplinarian in a way. Like, right. Because this is step one for getting his shit together and becoming like a real human adult. Which starts night one with him setting his tits on fire. Yeah, which is the best. And also when he is on fire, it's so clearly a body double. I was it's not like that. <laughs> it's a terrible, what I don't understand is like, you've so successfully transformed this man into <laughs> a completely different person. And you, it's so clearly not him. Like the face is yeah. so wrong. Something to look forward to as we go move through this podcast, just calling out how many times the body double is clearly such, I mean, they're not even trying. Like I feel like a lot of movies in the, in the 80s and 90s, they're just, there's zero effort putting into disguising the stunt double. That's exactly what I was going to say. I think at this time, just no one gave a shit. It's just like, yeah, it's the movies. Like you have to do that. I just don't think people cared. You would think they'd slack more now considering like we're all half watching everything we watch and like playing bejeweled with the rest of our brain. But there are so many movies that I watch now from the 80s and 90s where I'm like, this is like a children's skateboarding movie and this guy is clearly 40 on the half pipe. We got to protect the kids. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Safety first. Like, at least get this guy to shave or something. Like, Yeah, it sets unrealistic expectations about how you're going to age yourself. Oh, I mean, all movies from the 80s and 90s set unrealistic expectations when, like, every high school student is played by, like, a 40-year-old. Stunt doubles aside. Yeah, Everyone's right. too old to be playing the roles that they're playing, but not in this movie. No. Also, did you find it weird that these kids in 1992 – are watching Dick Van Dyke after school. Yes, 100%. They don't have anything better to watch than Dick Van Dyke. I was like, is this a 1992 version of adults writing kids wrong? Because it happens a lot now where you know they'll try to write teenagers now and it's just they really miss the mark you know they're just making references that are super old or it'll be like guys i g2g like it's like kids don't fucking talk like that right the one thing that i'll give them is so this is what i was thinking of when they're watching dick van dyke i was like why are these kids watching dick van dyke and then they said we always watch dick van dyke and I thought it might be like Daniel. What they did yeah, with him. Yeah, might have watched it. I don't know. Yeah. But then again, you, you can only like right, assume. Right. But it's a speed bump. Absolutely. We move into Mrs. Doubtfire kind of taking over the household, obviously, starting with a booby fire, immediately ordering takeout. So it's like a mix between being tough, but then also being super nurturing, which I just think like we all wanted a Mrs. Doubtfire in our lives so badly. Me too. I would have watched the show that he created. It was so nice. It was so funny. I thought about that too. I was like, man, why didn't we not get that show? 
I mean, there's only so much Robin to go around, I think. Meanwhile, I'm a dick. Like, I had both parents at home growing up. And I'm like, I wish I had a nanny. But <laughs> movies just made nannies look so great. Yeah, especially if it's Robin Williams. I also think we're missing possibly the best part of the movie. I think we might have skipped it over. Isn't that after his first day at work? Oh, yes. I'm sorry. It's that night. So it's that night where we have the classic, which they do. You use this trope a couple times in the movie, just the super high stakes needing to be in two places at once or two people in the same place at once. It's so good. So she meets this woman who's supposed to be meeting with Daniel. She says, I'm his sister. They go in to the house. It's like, I'll go get Daniel for you. Uh, he goes and changes out of his clothes, comes back as Daniel. He sets himself up. He's like, my sister makes a great cup of tea. And she's like, oh. Yeah, I really fucked that one up. And I think that there's a way to get out of that. Like, I don't know. She's sleeping or something. She's on a time change. She's fucking British. He immediately throws his own fake face out the window. So quick thinking, sticks his face in a cake, which, mind you, was not planned. But, you know, when you're shooting under super intense film lighting, it actually got so hot in there oh, that his right. face started melting falling into the tea that was not planned he just took that and ran with it which is like one of the best that parts is just the best scene and the lady even like takes the takes the frosting and starts like dab it under her eyes the amount of physical <laughs> comedy in this movie is just unbelievable. So much is happening to him. Part of me, though, was a little bit like, you have no food in this apartment, but you have a full cake in your fridge. <laughs> like, Wow, I did not think of wow. it. Anyway, How that, handy. that's when the hello comes in, which is yes. that's probably the best. One of the best lines in the movie. I just lull. I lull and I lull and I lull whenever I see it. Now, he's going face to face with Pierce Brosnan, which... Not for nothing, get yours all day, all night, Sally Field. Of course. It's a little soon, I think, to be introducing your kids to this guy after you just – like they don't really uh, go into much about the, the passing of time in this. Okay, so we know it's like three a three-month. Or do we? We don't even know if they made it that far because mm-hmm. he gets busted. Right. So this is like within a three-month or less time period where you have right. three young children and you just got divorced and you're already getting them super attached to a guy that you're like just barely dating? Yeah, it's under the guise of a business relationship. but They're like, like literally kissing in front of the children on the mouth. The whole thing, like every interaction between Mrs. Doubtfire and Pierce Brosnan is so goddamn funny. So fucking good. It's just a constant stream of tiny dick jokes. Yeah, it's so funny. He rips the Mercedes-Benz thing off of his car and gives it to him. (laughs) He literally says, oh, a man with a big expensive car is compensating for small genitals. Like, he doesn't even say, you know, like normally if you were to make a comment like that today, you'd be like, you know what they say about fast cars. You know what they say about like this thing. Like, you don't actually have to fill in the blank because we get it, but he straight up is like, you've got a tiny, tiny dick. And he gets away with it too because he's so quick. Like, that gets eaten up with the next thing he says. So it's believable that Pierce Brosnan is not like getting too pissed off about it. Also like probably in shock because an old lady is saying it to him. <laughs> yeah, <so> great. <laughs> like how God would you it. react in real time if an 80 year old woman <laughs> was like, you must have a very tiny pee pee. I would just say it's nice to meet you and, and thank you very much. You'd be like, how do you know? <laughs> <laughs> that would be what would you you would say? <laughs> if I were a guy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you'd make such a good guy. That's like not a great thing to say. No. Well, there are guys with big dicks who are that confident that they can make jokes about having tiny peepees or is it a guy with an actually probably fine but in his mind tiny peepee who's like setting the bar low trying to be honest mm-hmm. up front it could go either way any way you go with it is funny small dick humor is the best big dick humor second place like a silver <laughs> right. it's always less funny to be like I have a huge dick yeah. <laughs> like it's just you kind of miss the mark there I mean no matter what I think you're, you're safe right. with the small dick joke oh speaking of like fucking crushing when Mrs. Doubtfire is having a conversation with Miranda. So manipulative and like violating, mind you, just prying into the details of their marriage from her perspective. And basically, Miranda basically 
tells Mrs. Doubtfire that their sex life was meh. Yeah. Well, she said there was never a problem in that department or something like that. Nothing glowing. She says something like, it was always fine. Right. Like she right. always she says something like that. Like she's not like, well, that was always good, but it was the other stuff that was, you know what I mean? Like there was no look of like excitement or no. I miss that or like. I mean, it's a creepy moment, but I have to say it's a really great moment because when he's talking to Miranda, it's like the first time he's actually listening to her and actually ha- being able to have a conversation about it. Agreed. And like there's a look that comes over Mrs. Doubtfire's face when he like realizes how bad he fucked up. Yeah, it makes me wonder because Mrs. Doubtfire asks her, did you ever tell him this? Right, right. And she doesn't exactly say yes. I think she just says something like, oh, she says Daniel didn't like to talk about anything serious. The writing is just so fucking good. Like all the the little lines like that, like Daniel didn't like to talk about anything serious. All that little stuff is so perfect. It says so much. It says a lot. They don't talk a lot about their relationship, but- you kind of get it right away, like by the very small clues they give you. My thought process was like, maybe Daniel was better in bed than Pierce Brosnan because how else can you explain her going from Pierce to him? Like, Well, are we assuming that her and Pierce had sex? I want you to imagine for a second that you were dating Pierce Brosnan. Do you imagine that you'd be in that scenario and never go to sexy town? Uh, no, I'd be, uh, <laughs> Unless they dated, like, in middle school. Yeah, even then, what are you going to do? Like, <laughs> it's just... Yeah. Yeah, no shit. He had a literal baby dick. Cut him some slack, Sally Field. Yeah, I guess that's what the, the moral of this story was, that, like, he really did have a, a small wiener. Right, and then, <laughs> which drove her into a terrible marriage. Yeah. But he gets redemption. Really, this... We need, like, another movie told... Just from the perspective of Pierce Brosnan, like he loses the love of his life yeah, in he's middle got a tiny school because he's a tiny wiener. He grows into himself and his wiener. We hope he spends mm. his whole life becoming attractive and and successful. He's like low key stalking her. He already says he's like followed her career for a million right. years. He's always wanted her to be happy, and like he just happens to show up the week of her. she decides to get a divorce. Ooh, I think yeah. I'm, I'm on to That's, you, Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, it's a kind of you. Right. Very you-ish. I have to say, like you said in the beginning, you want to hate Pierce Brosnan? There's nothing really to hate. He's a great guy. He loves her kids. No, you don't. Like, you keep waiting yes. for the other shoe to drop, right? And, like, they even set you up. Well, get back to us wanting to hate him. Oh, right. We should keep going. Pretty soon after, the kids find him out. They find out that Mrs. Doubtfire is their dad, which is way more of a mind fuck than I think I realized because at this point, they've spent weeks bonding with this woman only to realize it's been their dad lying to them this whole time. And they find out, the son finds out because he's literally face to face with his dad's dick. Sorry to make this whole podcast episode about dicks. But like I mean the movie's about dicks. The whole movie's about dicks. It's just like a whole, one big patriarchal dick slap in the face. Yeah, it really is. But he literally sees his dad's dick and is like, "Dad?" before he even takes the makeup off. No, I'm just kidding. That's not what happened. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I know that dick anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> He's just like Dad? <laughs> the pungent smell of your piss. It is dad. <laughs> How do you know it's me? It's like I could see your balls hanging between your legs. Like I used to live in there. <laughs> <laughs> I just saw those balls and it felt like home. Yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> so that's pretty much what happens. So his two older children first find out that it's him. The son's initial reaction, which was very cringy to me, was he says, you don't really like wearing that stuff, do you, Dad? Like, kind of disgusted. The minute he, he runs into his sister's bedroom and he's like, call the cops. Right. Like, what if this was just a, a dear old transvestite or, you know what I mean? Or like a transgender person who never had a reassignment surgery. They're automatically framing him up right. as like, he's a psychopath or she is a psychopath. Call the cops because she has yeah. a meaner. He's a she. He, he's a she. He's a she. She, she's a he. He's a he, she. Right. So call the police. And there's that, that line, which is really funny, actually, where he's like talking to his sister. He's like, hit him. It's like, where? In the balls. He's got him. He's got everything. <laughs> he's, he like actually also has a latex vagina under there just in case. 
<laughs> he has every single part. Yeah, a pretty fucked up reaction and not in the way I was expecting. Like I would more so expect like you lied to us this whole time or like, you know, something more like that. Yeah, at least they got over it pretty quick. Like then his daughter went, goes to hug him and then his son doesn't really want to hug him yet. His son is not ready to hug him. And part of me is wondering like, does that come from I'm weirded out because you lied this whole time and, and I'm not sure how to feel or he doesn't want to hug him because he's dressed as a woman. If I saw my dad dressed up as anything and like he revealed himself to be my dad, I don't know. It freaked me out. Make sure you let your dad know that. Yeah, I will. Right after this. <laughs> Call you dad. So now the two older kids are into it, which, mind you, doesn't stop them from schmoozing with their mom's new boyfriend in front of him, which I think it's kind of like, so they go to this big pool day at Stuart's big bougie, right, here's Brosnan right. and Stuart, uh, big bougie pool club. And they're all like in the pool, like on his shoulders, being like, you're the best, Stuart. Look at you diving. And I would feel very uncomfortable to be hanging out with my mom's boyfriend in front of my dad. Yeah, the whole thing is strange. I mean, it, it screwed up that the mom does that. It screwed up that they're chill with like being so chill with him. Not a great situation. I mean, he's just sweating his balls off at the bar, hitting on women. Hitting on women. So this is where we kind of find out, like I feel like in this moment when Stuart goes up to the bar and is talking to this other guy who knows him, who's like, that's a lot of baggage. She's got three kids and you're like a forever bachelor. And you are so expecting in this moment that he's going to say something that's going to make you hate him. 100%. Like he's going to finally show his true colors. Like he's going to be like, yeah, but she's worth a fortune. And right, right. <laughs> like, or, you know, once I send those little brats off to boarding Right, school, yeah, that's you know? more like, like it, yeah. That's what you're expecting. But he's not. He's just genuinely like, she's amazing and her kids are incredible and I'm in love with her children. And you're just like, oh my. The answer is so perfect. It's like, she has three kids. Yeah, three incredible kids, especially that natty. I just want to eat her up. And it's just like, you just start to see more and more as an adult watching this movie with a new perspective, you're just kind of like, so Daniel is kind of the villain. I, I hate to say it because you got to love Robin Williams. But like, you know, he even says it. He's like, yeah, their dad's a real shit. Like he can't hold down a job. And like, he's like really irresponsible. And these kids deserve to have like a functional father figure in their in their life. We're at the best part of the movie. Oh, definitely. Without a doubt. When he's like, what? <laughs> What can I say? The guy's a loser. <laughs> and then Daniel takes a lime. Is it an orange or a lime? A citrus fruit. Some a citrus fruit. Out of the and into the back of his head. And, and then the amazing stands up and goes, Oh, I saw it, dude. And I run by fruiting. Not a bad missed out fire, actually. It's like, I think it was a disgruntled kitchen staff member. Did you not tip enough? <laughs> Did you not tip enough? He's just constantly donging on him in public, just constantly humiliating him. him. And then he's like, he's walking back to the bar after Pierce Brosnan has left. And he's like, oh, what a waste of juice. <laughs> what a waste of good juice. <laughs> uh, put him on a poster. I looked forward to that moment so much. Just the sound that it makes. 100%. It's such a gratifying sound of that fruit hitting him in the back of the head. The face that he makes, like he's not really letting letting oh it God. show whether he knows it was her or not. Like you can't really tell. But just the phrase just a the run best. by fruiting is like <laughs> run by fruiting. But of course, the Daniel fucking with Stuart is just about to now come to a head because, of course, we have what needed to happen, the pinnacle of all of this, yes. where you know Daniel has secured a job as a stock boy at this television studio that does kids shows and has made an impression upon the studio owner. Uh, he walks in on him rapping as dinosaurs Amazing. naturally. I feel like that like gave every intern in the future of anything. They're like, if I just sneak into where I'm not supposed to go and do not my job. Somebody will probably notice me. Yeah, I mean, I lost like a year of my life because of that <laughs> mindset, so. Thanks, Frish. Yeah. Hey, at least you tried, right? No regrets. No regrets. Yeah, no regrets, yeah. So, you know, of course he has this big high-stakes dinner, high-stakes steak dinner. Nice. Uh, with, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> at this restaurant called Bridges, which also happens to be Miranda's favorite restaurant where the family is having her birthday dinner. So, of course, we have another incredible sequence of him changing in and out of the Mrs. Doubtfire outfit to be at one table and then another. And I have to say, I found it so stressful. It's so 
so stressful. I mean, I was physically uncomfortable. I think this is like a a deficiency in my own personality, but I'm like, the waiter's waiting for you to order. (laughs) Come on, man. This is like rude. And then he's like, You've gone through three scotches in that time. I I counted the scotches. Oh, how many? How many in total? I think he had like 12 drinks all in all. As a kid, I had no idea that the reason that he's starting to fuck this up is because he's absolutely trashed. Me neither. I had no clue. I just was like, I didn't understand why Mrs. Duffer was like stumbling around. And then there's that scene where he's talking to Pierce Brosnan. Okay. Do you remember? I wrote every single <laughs> Me one too. down. I, did. I wrote them all down. <laughs> this is by far one of my, and you know, he improvised every single one. A hundred percent. So sitting at the table, everyone gets up. Everyone gets up from the table except for Pierce Brosnan and Mrs. Doubtfire. I like how we're just using character names and actor names interchangeably. And it's after he presents Miranda with this beautiful diamond bracelet for her birthday, which clearly rubs Daniel the wrong way. So he insinuates that he is using this as a ploy to get in her pants. A bit of going down payment. Going down (laughs) payment. Payment. Okay, so I wrote down all the sexual innuendo. So poor Pierce Brosnan is like, excuse me? And he's just going for it. Like, I can only imagine how long he actually went in real life. But we've got going down payment, a little sink the sub. Right. Hide the weasel, pop the porpoise, a bit of the old Humpty Dumpty, little Jack Horny, the, <laughs> the horizontal mambo, the bone dancer. I think I got that right. My favorite of all of them, Rumple Foreskin. I wrote down Rumple Foreskin. <laughs> Baloney Bop. <laughs> and Cunning Linguistics. That's that's all the ones that I that I wrote down. That's as he's horrifying him. And he's just not even he like doesn't know what to do with himself. He does that rant. Then he goes right on to say. She's got a power tool in the bedroom. It's her personal jackhammer. <laughs> she could break a sidewalk with that thing. She uses it in the light stand. It's like right. a prison movie. Amazed she hasn't chipped her teeth. <laughs> and then immediately tells him that she has crabs. Yeah. Like, so fucked up. So fucked so like, This funny. guy is truly master manipulator, just not even. He's also wasted, so he's just like true. He's really going yeah. for it. <laughs> One of my favorite lines also from this movie, which I just never noticed and is fucking brilliant. So, of course, like his, you know, he's like getting a little shoddy with the disguise work. His fake teeth fall into his Chardonnay. I think I know what this is. <laughs> and he immediately says, yeah. Carpe Dentum sees the teeth. <laughs> which is actually he's making like a callback to dead poets yes it's a callback to dead poets where he's always saying carpe diem sees the day wow i didn't even realize that he, yeah he connects his two roles but he and first brosnan are both like trying to like fork out her face <laughs> and then he takes the teeth and he starts <laughs> like, yeah. he starts drying them off <laughs> You just shake him off like a dog. (laughs) Shaking him in Pierce's face. That's the line that gets me the most. (laughs) Just shaking those teeth. Now, like, here comes the only, which I mean, good for them. And other people may have many more. But here comes the only super noticeable plot hole or just, like, weird thing for me. Which is we come to find out that Stuart is highly allergic to pepper. So somehow amongst all this rigmarole, Daniel goes back into the kitchen and pours a shit ton of pepper, cayenne pepper, onto his shrimp jambalaya. And Mrs. Doubtfire has pilfered a chef's coat, which is hilarious. <laughs> you don't even have time to like click your teeth in, right? But you've had time to find a chef's coat and go back and find your meal, cover it in an obscene amount of pepper. So of course the food, you know, of course, like the food gets delivered. We want to fuck with Stuart. Oh, wait, hold on. We have a a key part before this. Daniel comes off and he's like, man, those scotches made me piss like a racehorse. He's dressed as Miss Doubtfire to the wrong table. Sitting with the producer. Sitting with the producer. And he's like, what's going on? Then in a moment of sheer brilliance, he says, meet the host of your new show. And he pitches Miss Doubtfire to The happiest accident. So he shows up to the wrong table as Mrs. Doubtfire. Meanwhile, food gets delivered. Stuart takes one bite. And in my mind, 
very obviously he's super allergic so his throat is closing right but that's not what actually is happening he has swallowed a shrimp whole Miranda's like somebody help him he's choking and I'm like oh he's not choking he's having a severe allergic reaction where we get one of the other famous lines in the movie help us all the way dude dude. yeah (laughs) classic brilliant so he's doing the Heimlich maneuver on him badly it would seem then he pops out this full first of all Pierce Brosnan get your shit together you just swallowed a full shrimp yeah not for nothing but like you don't have to be allergic to pepper to die from swallowing a full shrimp that's when you're like oh this guy does suck the shoe finally dropped yeah, <laughs> he thinks he could just swallow shrimp whole like a god <laughs> it's called hubris yeah. <laughs> so he pops out this huge shrimp nearly a prawn essentially a lobster pops out of this guy's throat super satisfying and then he's yeah. fine And I'm like, the whole deal was that you were deathly allergic to pepper. So the pepper made you swallow your shrimp whole. And then once you coughed it up. I think no one had like a bout of anaphylaxis in the writer's room. Like, I just don't think they know (laughs) what that is. (laughs) Must be nice. It is really nice when that shrimp pops out, though. Oh, very satisfying. Yeah. It makes you almost want to swallow a full shrimp. I'll try it after this podcast. (laughs) Report back. We are now, his face mask has completely fallen off. And we get, I think, probably the best piece of acting in the entire movie where Miranda goes through 15 different emotions within six seconds. It's like the whole movie flashes before her eyes. Yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> it's so good. The whole time? The whole time. The whole so time? Good. And then then she's like, don't touch me. Don't touch me. But he's not even trying to touch her. I know. I, I kind of get it. Like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> like, the jig is up. The jig is up in this moment. And he and Pierce Brosnan just shake hands. I think he's dealing with the fact that he also saved his life. That's fair. All's forgiven. Then they go to court. Daniel acts as his own attorney for no reason. You sound so inconvenienced by this part of the movie. (laughs) No, it isn't. I mean, I think it is actually one of the best parts because I wrote down that speech, which is just like so heartwarming. He's like, in regards to my behavior, I can only plead insanity. Can you read it a little more heartfelt than that? Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Do do justice. Okay. And in regards to my behavior, I can only plead insanity because ever since my children were born, the moment I looked at them, I was crazy about them. I'm addicted to my children, sir. I love them with all my heart. And the idea of someone telling me I can't be with them, I can't see them every day, it's like someone saying I can't have air. I can't live without air. And I can't live without them. You're actually making me (laughs) cry right now. It is such a beautiful speech. That speech truly, I think, probably has made everyone who's watched this movie wish that their own dad loved them a little bit more. A hundred percent. I think I'm delusional enough to think that my dad would give a speech like that, but I think he'd be like, full custody? Like, that's fair. (laughs) He wouldn't have fought so hard. This beautiful, beautiful speech to which the judge is just like, you're clearly a crazy person and an actor. So I don't believe anything you just said because you've been faking it for the last three months. And his heart is like breaking. And then the judge hands over this like crazy harsh. Is it considering the situation? I don't know. I was going to ask you. Like just on paper, just on paper, aside from the fact that we all already love Robin Williams and that speech was beautiful, this guy blatantly breaks the law, your ruling. What law did he break? Well, he was only supposed to see his kids. Like, Oh, good call. Yeah, <laughs> so actually. all of them? Yeah, I guess, I guess every one of them. <laughs> You're just blinded by love, I think. I am. But like, I would say that's like probably more than fair ruling. Damn, it's so harsh. It is harsh. Like, it is harsh. And to the point where clearly like Sally Fields is a little bit sad. Sally Fields is kind of a saint in this, to She be is. And honestly, I feel like the only reason she offers him an opportunity to come back into their lives is because she too misses Mrs. Doubtfire. And it's almost like another way of like the way we all romanticize our toxic exes. This makes it so much easier for her to do this with her ex-husband husband because he's also Mrs. Doubtfire. Mrs. Doubtfire is him putting his best foot forward, specifically trying to manipulate her at every moment to make her think that he's a good person. (laughs) Right. That scene where they're like, it was better when she was around. And he's like, yeah, things were nice and warm here. And they're like, what? She's not a real person. Then they hear Miss Doubtfire from their kitchen and she's on the TV. This amazing show that I immediately was sad that we didn't actually have as kids. God, it would have done well. And I even looked into it. Like, were they ever considering making it a show? I didn't find anything on it. I did find that they were in talks of of making a sequel. 
and they were like starting to write it oh. right before Robin Williams passed away. Bummer. Robin Williams passed away? <laughs> <Just kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert. He's gone. He is dearly missed. I miss him so much. We all do. We all do. To make matters better, Miranda decides to throw out what the judge has to say and let her really weird ex-husband hang with the kids. When they get a knock on the door and you know Miss Doubtfire is coming, I really thought he was going to be Miss Doubtfire and seeing him as Daniel, kind of a bummer. Even though I think we're a little disappointed not to see Mrs. Doubtfire, it'd be very creepy if he was continuing to act as Mrs. Doubtfire around his kids. Like, I feel like at a certain point, they'd all be in therapy as adults being like- Oh, they're going to therapy no matter what. No matter what. My dad could only spend time with us in drag. (laughs) (laughs) But then it's also like the most heartwarming part where Miranda's like, you're going to hang with your dad a few hours every day after school. And little Mara Wilson is like, Jeff Duff? He's like, just He's like, us. yes, honey, just us. Just us. <laughs> so then they're driving off in the station wagon, the old station wagon. Miss Doubtfire's on the TV. Jesso happens to be talking about all the different types of families. She gets a write-in letter from a little girl whose parents are getting divorced. I appreciate that they don't sugarcoat it. Fun fact, one of the writers did not want them to get back together at the end, and they fired that writer, and then eventually realized that they really shouldn't get back together in the end, and rehired that writer. Oh, good. I thought that was going to be a bad story. Like, I that. guess like at first they were just like, of course they need to get back together. What kind of family movie is this? But I'm so glad that they didn't. It's such a better message. Yeah. And like, you're going to be okay. There's that part. It's like, but if there's love, dear, those are the tides that bind. You'll have a family in your heart forever. Kids needed that more. God, I mean, can we say like, this movie kicks ass. I do think that it's aged well, but I just, it's a good movie in a different way for me now. I'm not watching this movie like, oh, this silly man goes at any length to be the best father to his children like I don't see it that way at all but I do see it in a very realistic light he's a good man but he's not a great guy I might just be it might be one of these things where I just like it Mm -hmm. so I am willing to like every part about it that's you know but it's one of those things where I think that him not being a good guy makes this movie a little more complicated in a good way I think we have those relationships a lot as as adults of just like I need to accept this person or not but if I'm choosing to keep them in my life it is gonna be what it is I really feel like there's like an emotional complexity and kind of like a moral complexity with this movie that they didn't really need to do Mm -hmm, like the mm -hmm. movie's funny enough where they just could have left it as is but I think that they kind of gave a shit which was cool Mm -hmm. and it's like the kind of situation where it's not a traditional happy ending they're not getting what they wanted necessarily but they're getting what they need yes agreed love it i'm really glad i revisited this movie we're only here for the real shit on this podcast (laughs) (laughs) this has been real shit we'll see you next time (laughs) we just changed the name of the podcast (laughs) to real shit hosted by your favorite shitheads <laughs> signing off this is jazz and this is dan and thanks for joining us today at millennial, millennial movie, movie club, club. Woo, <laughs> woo, woo. <laughs> thanks for listening to this episode of millennial movie club if you like what you heard be sure to subscribe to the podcast and write us a glowing review we are millennials we need the validation for even more goodies be sure to follow millennial movie club on tiktok and follow your hosts on instagram later, later days, days.